Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Well, good morning. We are closing in on the final pieces of the big picture of God, or the puzzle pieces that we've been putting together. Today, lesson number 12, uh, this will be my last week with you. Uh, We have to be out of town next week. We have the graduation of our last grandchild, so I don't want to miss that. I hate not being here with you. But the lesson will be in very capable hands with Brother Tom Collier presenting the final lesson in this series. I hope that you found some enlightenment, some nugget somewhere along the way that encourages you. Uh, I appreciate very much so many uh, comments that have encouraged me uh, in this study. The topic for today is really a continuation of the one that we began last week with regard to my place in the body. Last week, we talked about the question of what is my place in the body? Uh, I don't know what happened there. I guess that must have been my fumbling with my pocket. We're ahead of ourselves. Uh, I need to go back to the beginning. Uh, Last week we asked the question, what is my place in the body? Today the question is going to be, how do I find that place? How do I find my place in God's big picture? In the very first lesson, going back to the beginning, we looked at all the relationships that were damaged by the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. And those relationships, those damaged relationships, played a tremendous part in God's big picture, and they play a big part in our lesson today. One question to uh, think about with regard to relationships is who besides myself uh, is in this grand plan in this relationship uh, that we're going to be talking about and the relationships that need to be healed. I plan to focus primarily on two passages today. One of them is Romans chapter 12 and the other one is Ephesians chapter 4. Practically all of the comments will be about that with a few uh, additional verses that are supportive of some of the things that we're talking about. Romans chapter 12, as we're all familiar, is begins with the discussion of a living sacrifice, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And when we read it, oftentimes, it's been my experience anyway, that we read verses 1 and 2 and don't go very much beyond that. Uh, but actually, all of chapter 12 and most of chapter 13 is really dealing with the topic that was introduced, the idea 
of being a living sacrifice. It talks about how do we do that. And I'd like to talk about some of those things today. One of the things also I want to ask you, because I want to draw out your thinking on this, or have you start thinking about it, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking for some one or two word answers to this question. When you think about relationships in your life, all the various relationships, why are they important to you? What is there about those relationships that makes them significant? For instance, I'll start you with one word, the word friendship. Now, what else comes to mind when you think about your various relationships? Yes, Bill. Belonging. All right, very good. What else? Support. Other thoughts? Strength. Did you say welcome? Loyalty, yes, I'm sorry. My uh, hearing aids help my hearing, but sometimes not enough. <laughs> Thank you. Loyalty. All right. What else? Yes. All right. We each have unique talents no one else has and something we bring to the relationship. Other thoughts? Other one-word things that come to mind? Say it again, Sister Olamaya. Companion. Companion, yes. Companion. And one that came to my mind is compassion. Others. Nobody's mentioned love. I'm a little surprised. Uh, but our relationships, they can be support, as mentioned. They can be our safety net sometimes in certain situations. We are blessed to be in the many relationships that we enjoy as a part of this church body. Last week, we, uh, this is where I asked the question, I'm back on track, I hope, with the slides now. Uh, how do I find my place in the big picture? And last week, we talked about our roles individually and in the congregation, about what we need to be involved in in, in addressing the Great Commission. That is our key responsibility, our key role of individuals and the church as well. And when we're thinking about relationships with one another, I want to think about them as usual in the way of a puzzle. You might say, oh no, not another puzzle. Well, uh, there are some things to consider, uh, and I think this uh, at least helps me to illustrate that. How do I find my place in the body? What is my place in the whole puzzle, so to speak? And if you'll look carefully at that one piece that's shown to the side there that says me, that piece won't fit the hole that's available to it. It's the wrong shape. That suggests to me, to me, that I need to do something. I need to change myself. 
if I'm going to find my place and I'm going to fit in the puzzle. So what do I need to do? What do I need to take on to fit myself to this place in the puzzle? And uh, I want us to think, of course, in terms of people who are Christians. So there are some significant relationships that are discussed here in Romans chapter 12. There are four different relationships that are mentioned. Our relationship with God, our relationship with the world, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with other Christians, other believers. So let's begin in Romans chapter 12. And this is uh, some notes on what we find in verses 1 and 2. It begins to discuss how to fit or how to find my place in the body. Uh, and it's, there's a very practical list of things that we find in chapter 12. So when Paul begins uh, in Romans 12, uh, I think there's a question that he answers indirectly, not in the text, but what difference does it make if I am a new creation, a new Christian? Uh, is there anything about my life that reflects that new position that I, I am in with God? So if you want to turn with me to Romans 12, uh, the four relationships that are there, we will talk about some of those. And what the Holy Spirit, I think, is doing really in this, we talked about priesthood, is he's giving us uh, a key to how to go about living this new living sacrifice priesthood that we've been given as Christians. So in Romans 12, we read, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's ourselves, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I beseech, I urge, I ask, please, God wants us to become a living sacrifice. And these people in Rome were beneficiaries just like we are of the Holy Spirit. And there are two reasons given there in the text that we read as to why we should listen to the urging of the Spirit. The first one there is because of the mercies of God who saved me. And the second reason is because it's reasonable. That word that's translated that is from the word we get our word logical or logic. So it is reasonable because of what God has done for us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Then he gives the three things there, and they're listed for you, that he's urging. Two of them are very direct commands. The other one is a command by implication. The first one is present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That's how we offer ourselves to God. The next one is a negative command. Don't be conformed to the world. And the third one is a positive command. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I suggest to you that a thoughtful, reasoning person will conclude, I need to respond, give in to the urging of the Holy Spirit. I need to follow these commands. I need to do as God is asking me to do. And so let's look at relationships. The first one is our relationship with God. If we're going to become a living sacrifice, we have to be in the right relationship with God. And he calls on us to present our bodies living, not dead, but alive and serving and going about the Lord's business. A dead sacrifice like they offered in the, in the days of Moses' law was a one-time thing. A living sacrifice is for all times. And that's what God is calling us to do. So we are to be living and we are to be, as this says, saying in effect to God, here I am, sacrifice me, take me. And he offers some conditions. It is to be living. We are to be living. We are to be holy. That is, stand apart from everything that is corrupt, everything that's immoral, be pure. And it is, if we do it properly, acceptable. It's pleasing to God. And the reason it can be pleasing is because he offers some very specific ways to do so. And it's our task, our role as living sacrifices to respond just the way that he asks us. I ran across a poem, and I'm going to read just part of it. I think it's somewhat reflective of some of the attitudes of our world. Starts out, it's entitled, Three Dollars Worth of God. I would like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. I'm afraid that that reflects the relationship that many of the world have with God. There are those guys who talk about their prayer life, but their time is really spent in front of the TV watching football games. There are those righteous folks who don't want God messing around with their immoral lives. There are women who talk about their heart, but they commit themselves daily to looking beautiful rather than thinking about the inner beauty of the soul. And there are men who talk about their souls, but they sell their souls to their job in order to have money, power, wealth. There are those couples come to every church service, but they're more devoted to their status in the community than they are to becoming a living sacrifice. And you know, it is, it is easy. We can easily fall into the mode of just busting the chops of other folks. Uh, 
God calls us to become ourselves as living sacrifices. But you and I know that it's a lot more than about $3 worth of God. Another thing about our relationship with God is he calls us to serve. And again, uh, this is where I want to go to the other passage that, uh, that uh, we, we will consider. But first, a few things in Romans chapter 12. There really is something very important about the imagery that's used here. The imagery in uh, Romans 12 is uh, like that of the Old Testament. It uses the word present. The Old Testament priest presented the sacrifice, a dead sacrifice before God. But we are to be a living sacrifice. And if you think about it, I, you, are the priest. And I myself am the sacrifice. So I'm the priest, but I'm also the offering as well. Now, if you would, let's look a little bit in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 7 through 13 of that chapter, uh, in particular, depict what I would call the goals of serving God. Uh, In in the passage, as we'll look at, we'll uh, need to understand the context. It's very much like a triumphant king. Jesus is depicted as a triumphant king returning from war with all the spoils of the war, and he's going to give those things to his people as gifts. So in verse 7, it's talking about Jesus. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So our victorious king, the one who defeated sin and death, the one that defeated Satan, has gifts, and he gives those gifts to the church. And it says, to the measure of Christ's gift in verse 7. That's means he's giving us what we need. He measures it out. He apportions it to the church, to the body, as it is needed. These gifts are not, they are by Christ's grace, neither earned nor deserved. And Christ gave those things to enable the church. He gave them to enable us to become that living sacrifice, that holy, acceptable Sacrifice. As we're going down in Ephesians 4, beginning at uh, verse 11, and that's this passage, whether you can make that out or not, but verse 11, and he gave, and he himself gave some, these are the gifts, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry or serving or might we say, becoming a spiritual sacrifice for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure, again that word measure, to the stature of the fullness of God. The gifts that are given here might be referred to as functions. He's talking about apostles, prophets, evangelist, pastor, teachers. This is the heritage, the heritage, the gift that Christ has given us. And he gives three reasons or purposes, if you will, for the, 
for giving of these gifts from our Savior. First of all, in verse 12, he says it's for the equipping of the saints. It equips us for our place. What is my place? How do I do it? Well, Christ equips me for that. The church as a whole. For the work of ministry or service. And that's how we become a living sacrifice. By service. For the edifying or the building up the body, the church. To strengthen us as a body. To strengthen us as individuals. Now the gifts of apostles and prophets and some of those were unique to the first century. Uh, We know from 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul spoke of putting away childish things, he was talking about some of these things like apostles and first century uh, prophets with miraculous ability. That would all be done away. Uh, The church would become, would be mature. The church itself would be like a mature man, as use the language here. I believe these gifts, these functions, they are offered collectively to the church. They were and they are for our benefit. Some of these functions are still a part of the church today and a vital part of the church. But Romans 12, the things spoken of there are things that are measured out to us as individuals. So there is, there are the gifts to the church, but there are also gifts to us as well. And this word measure is important as used here uh, and other places as well. And it's apportioned, it's allotted to us, it's given to us as a church for the purposes of arriving, first of all, at unity, and then secondly, at maturity. So if we're going to be living sacrifices, we have to be like Jesus Christ himself. We have to be like his nature. Uh, We have to be uh, like his service to his God, to his Father. Now the church has, by this passage, I think, because it says it can, Maturity can be achieved, has all the gifts that are needed. And that's individually and collectively between these two chapters so that we can serve God, so that we can be a proper priest in this new covenant that uh, we're living under, in this new kingdom that Christ is the king of. Remember what Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17 at verse 21. He prayed that they all may be one, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So unity was important as he looked forward to our day and time, maturity in him. And if this church, if the church as a whole is not united, what is the impact on the world? What what great harm is possibly done if we don't if we're not united in taking the gospel to other preachers to other people and when you think about history of mankind what kind of unimaginable harm has been done to humanity because of all the divisions that exist in so-called Christendom they have arrived, they have evolved 
and develop over many centuries over time to the point that we are where we are today. Another relationships that's spoken of in Romans 12 is a relationship with the world. And this depicts what is be, we are being encouraged to do there, what we're commanded to not do. And that's not be conformed to the world. And uh, as I'm sure we all know, that word conform has with it the idea of being squeezed into a mold, very much like this poor chap that's trying to resist the large press there. Uh, we are oftentimes called upon to conform, to let the world be a part of our lives. Unless, of course, we are around Christians all the time. But if that's the way we have to live, then are we strong enough, really, to have the kind of relationship we need to have with the world? But culture uh, is very much against us if we step out of line with what everyone else is doing, uh, if we criticize or take offense or differ from, uh, we're going to be ridiculed, ostracized, maybe even suffer financially or in some way, in rare cases, physical harm. This passage in Romans 12, verse 2, is a commandment to not conform to the world. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its, its mold. Now, we know that God gave us free will. He lets you and I make the choice as to how we will live, whether we'll choose to be conformed. But uh, fortunately for us, God gave a solution. Uh, when we mess up, when we conform to the world, Jesus Christ is there to salvage those who are willing to recover. Those of us who've made poor choices, who've found ourselves associating with the wrong kind of people, fortunately for us, God became involved in our lives and he gave us these gifts that we've talked about, these gifts that equip us, that prepare us uh, to be, to truly become a living sacrifice. But God put his plan in place and uh, he, in one sense, bails us out. He redeems us. But, of course, we know that's, that's conditional. We have to proactively become a part of the solution, a part of creating this relationship with him and a part of rejecting the relationship with the world. Another relationship discussed here is, is a relationship with self. Don't overestimate your own importance to the church is what this passage is suggesting. In verse 3 of Romans 12, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, that is, be of sound mind, have a healthy mind, think logically, reasonably, as God has dealt 
to each of us a measure, that word again, a measure of faith. So God, in His grace, uh, for all of us, uh, He tells us when we look in the mirror, we're not to be like this guy pictured here, to think of ourselves too highly, to be proud about the gifts that we have in the church. There have been some people who succumb to that feeling of, well, I have this ability, therefore I am more important to the church. This passage, and God calls us for us to be thankful for our gifts, not proud about them. One modern translation put it this way. It says, I am telling you, this, this verse 3, not to have exaggerated ideas about your own importance. Instead, develop a sober estimate of yourself. Being self-centered is poisonous to the church, to your relationship with God, and it will, in effect, nullify what otherwise might be an acceptable, living, holy sacrifice to God. So Jesus tells us in his own words not to think too highly of himself, of ourselves. In Mark 8, beginning of verse 34, Mark 8, 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, it is, as I suggested, tempting and not totally uncommon for people to get caught up in themselves. Uh, I have observed that there are people who have done well in their secular careers think that that should carry over into the church as a matter of pride and as a matter of position that they deserve, that they've earned in the church. Well, Jesus goes on in in Mark chapter 8 just a little bit later and suggests that all of this is worthless if we lose our soul. The fourth relationship it's spoken of in this passage, in order to become a living sacrifice, we have to have a right relationship with the church, with other Christians, with other believers, with the body as a whole. As we read here uh, in Romans chapter 12, beginning in the middle of verse 3, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, or as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. I've used that word allotted in the, in the heading of the, uh, this particular picture. And I think that is a good way to define this word measure. God has measured out to each of us. He's allotted to each of us uh, a place and a measure of faith so that we as members of the one body uh, can indeed become the right kind, that is, of sacrifice, a living 
sacrifice. Every one of us who is a Christian has been dealt a portion, a measure, or a place in the body. So what is what is my place? What is your place? Uh, we need to we need to figure that out. And I hope these passages will help us do that. This measure of faith, it could be thought of as abilities, as gifts, as talents, uh, in order to allow us, to equip us to be a living sacrifice. God has allotted that to each of us. He's allotted a role, maybe not very specific to me individually, but the word there, it uses the phrase just as it pleases God. And that little word just means that it's to the degree or to the extent that pleases God. So he's allotted just as it pleases him. It serves his purpose. It meets his goal. It satisfies his plan. So my place in the picture, in the big picture, is to use all of those abilities that God has given me and use them to complement your abilities that he has given you. One of the interesting things that I've observed by being a part of several different congregations in my lifetime is that my role, my place in each of those bodies has been different. Uh, My place here at West Huntsville is different than my place in the church in Nashville that we came from. Now, there's some commonalities for sure because there's a limit on what I can do, but my place is different, and I'm pleased with what I've been able to find here. And one thing for sure we need to understand, God doesn't count big roles and little roles. Uh, He doesn't count someone as important and someone else as less important. The roles that God has given us are all part of the one body. That's depicted in this picture here. My place, interestingly, this puzzle piece fits in the puzzle piece, my body. And that's that's our goal, that's our aim. This is, depicts the passage that's given a little bit later in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. And it talks about our place in the body. We are the body and each one of us has a part. Notice it talks about in this passage, it talks about four different things. One of those is the one body. Again, that's the idea of being united. If we're not a part of the body, then we're not a part of Jesus Christ. But we know every baptized believer is added to the body but then we have to fill the place, find the place and fill the place that God has given us. Second thing that's mentioned there is the body has many members. And that's like speaking about the individual limbs and parts. Uh, Every one of, every member, every limb of the body is tightly linked together. 
uh, very much like our own human body, of course. The body, my body, physical body, if I lose one member, if it's somehow cut off or damaged or whatever, the whole body hurts, doesn't it? That should be, of course, the way the church is as well. Another thing that says here is that not all members of the body have the same function or the same work. Again, that's where that word measure comes in. God's allotted, measured out to each of us a measure of faith. And it speaks of us individually as members of one another. We are inextricably linked. That, that 75 cent word means we're, we're like a ball of knots that's all tied together in a series of ropes that can't be untangled. That's the way the body should be. That's the kind of body that Jesus Christ has put in place, that he's equipped us for, that he's given us gifts for. So, when I look in the mirror, when we look in the mirror, I need to ask myself, Bill, are you listening? Brother, sister, are you listening? Are listening to what God has to say to us, what he said to us about his purpose. Remember, we talked about our purpose in the church is to praise the glory of God. Are we looking to be that spiritual sacrifice that praises the glory of God? Well, I hope that it's obvious to you by now that if we're going to find our place, the right place in the body, it has to be based on at least these four relationships that are given here. How do I find my right place in the big picture? I need to think about these relationships. First of all, my relationship with God. Am I a living sacrifice? My place with the world, my relationship with the world. Am I going to shape it to the Christ, to Christ according to the Great Commission? Or is it going to shape me? What about myself? Am I all absorbed in my own self-importance? Or is Christ all important to me? Are my fellow Christians all important to me? Then with other Christians, I need to fill my allotted place to the benefit of the body so that the body doesn't suffer. If I don't fill it, then probably someone else will, especially in a congregation of this size. But God has measured to me something that can't be supplied other people. Well, this is the conclusion of the discussion about my place in the body, my place in the big picture. But I do want to offer one summary slide, really kind of as an introduction to what Tom Collier will be talking about uh, next week. Uh, We've talked about God's plan, God's big picture along the way, And we've looked at a variety of pieces. But uh, 
a fact that we've observed is that before time, God set his rescue plan in place and he reaches down to us. He sent his son to reveal himself, to be our savior, to implement his plan. And as I was thinking back over these lessons, it occurred to me that there are certain keystone events that occurred, maybe not more important than others, I don't know, but they stand out, at least in my mind, and I'd like to suggest or remind you of some of those. It all started in the garden with a sin, with Adam and Eve, the first man. Abraham's promises, the nation, the land, the seed promise that was given to him. The entire Old Testament and a good portion of the New Testament hinge on this very three promises that were given to Abraham. The son of David was born as our king. The kingdom began in one sense with David. And it ends now with that eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then there's the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The ultimate goal that God had in mind for us. But Jesus had to be resurrected in the garden. So death in the garden of Eden was came to Jesus and he provides life again in a garden. Jesus was even betrayed in a garden. He was buried in a garden and he rose in a garden. Then there's a church where we all need to find our place, where we all need to be that living sacrifice that, uh, that we've considered today. Then there is one thing that I consider kind of a capstone event for the whole plan, for the whole picture. And Tom Collier is going to speak about that next week. And I look forward to seeing it, Tom, and getting to review it uh, as it's played back online. I'm looking forward to that. But that capstone event is it all ends in a garden. And don't think you know the end of the story just because I've revealed this phrase to you. What Tom will have to share with you next week will have a lot for you to think about and help put that capstone on what it means to find our place uh, in the body. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.